0: It's time for mystery, mystery radio X X X. X, X.
1: Just a moment. Have you heard the Mole Mystery Theater? Don't leave your radio. It follows immediately.
2: M-O-L-L-E, the brushless shaving cream that guards your face with a special protective film, presents the Mole Mystery Theater. This is a series of programs designed for mystery fans and for all lovers of exciting suspenseful entertainment. Every Tuesday night at this time, you are going to hear one of the great mystery stories of the past, the present, or the future. They will be selected and brought to you by Mr. Jeffrey Barnes. Mr. Barnes, who has made a lifelong study of mystery fiction... Is a connoisseur of fine detective stories. Mr. Barnes.
1: Good evening and welcome to the Mole Mystery Theater. Our story tonight is a fast-paced up-to-the-minute mystery by Dwight V. Babcock. It's titled Homicide for Hammond. <laughs> The detective tonight is different. She is a beautiful blonde bombshell named Hannah Van Doren. But the story is Joe Kirby. And Mr. Kirby is here to tell you that story himself. Mr. Kirby.
2: Thank you, Mr. Barnes. The story really started on the day I lost my job. I'd been selling high-priced cars and wrecked a custom-built job that sold for 15000 Well, that afternoon, I met my friend Terry O'Connor at his office, and we started out for a short beer. Head off, please. do not seem very worried about losing a job, Joe. Well, why should I? <laughs> you've been a sports columnist on that paper so long, Terry, you've forgotten how easy it is to get a new job. How are all the little O'Connor's? Well, well, I don't want to know when you're coming over to dinner again. I'll tell her any time I'm invited. Hey, it's quarter or six. I've got to make a phone call.
1: A ah, babe, I suppose? Nope, a new
2: job at a defense plant. Look, I'd better duck into this drugstore. I'll meet you at Malone's Bar in about ten minutes. Okay, Joe, but hurry. Remember, I've got a family to go home to. Okay, Terry, I'll be there. Save me a beer. Oh, there's Joe now. Hey, Joe, over here. Oh, hello, everybody. Hiya. Everything okay? Sure, everything's okay. Hey, who's the beautiful face? She's with George Engel here. Mm -hmm. How can a heel like that hit this pretty gal? Lay off, Lug, she's mine. Miss Hannah Van Dorn, may I present the eminent Joe Kirby? Of the three depression Kirby. Hello, Mr. Kirby. Hello, Anna. Hey, Harry. Give us a round here, huh? Okay, Mr. Kirby. Well, I hear you lost your job, Kirby, so I suppose you're broke, in a manner of speaking. Mm-hmm. Yes, but uh, I'm looking for Steve Wurzel. He owed me 200 bucks. He got a fat chance of collecting. Uh, here we are, Mr. Kirby. Hi, right, Harry. Say, have you seen Steve Wurzel around? Uh, no, he hasn't been around all evening, Mr. Kirby. Funny, this is one of his hangouts. Well, here's to you, Harry, the best bartender in town. Who is this Steve
3: Wurtzel, Mr. Kirby? The
2: spoiled son of the head chemist of the Smith factory. And when I say spoiled, I mean rotten.
3: It sounds like quite a lad. A heel.
2: And I'm going to collect my dough from him tonight or take it out of his hide. I know an easier way to make money. How about coming out to the racetrack tomorrow? I got a good horse in the fourth. Well, it's an idea. But I'll need the dough Wurzel owes me to take Miss Van Doren with me. What's your number, beautiful?
3: I'm in the book. Hey,
2: hey, stop trying to chisel in on my woman. On second thought, maybe she's just what a deadbeat like you deserve Sour grapes, you're just jealous, Engel
3: Down around City
2: Hall, they call her Homicide Hannah, the gorgeous ghoul She's bloodthirsty She goes around hoping for a homicide to happen to somebody This beautiful girl say it isn't so
3: But it is, I write up crime stories for True Crime Magazine A scandalous
2: profession for such a fair flower of womanhood What's the world coming to A girl has to live Ah, I understand, my dear And I'm just the little fella to show you how to live well now, I'll call you for that date in the morning. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got to get my beauty sleep. You coming with me, Terry? <laughs> now, there's my bungalow, Terry. Hey, I got some beer. That ought to be cold as ice. Why not stop in for a minute, huh? Okay, and that one's the road. Hey, looks like you got company. The car out front. Yeah, looks like Veronica Smith's.
3: Hi there. that's you, Veronica? Hello, Jojo. Millie and I just came over to see you. We wanted you to come over to the house. My dear little brother is giving a party.
2: Uh-uh, no. Too many stuffed shirts. Terry, this is Veronica Smith. Mm-hmm. Mill Robinson. How do you do? Hey, how how you?
3: Where have you been, Jojo?
2: Out looking for Steve Wurzel. Say, he isn't at your place, is he?
3: Just because his father is dad's chief chemist doesn't mean he comes to our parties. Does he owe you money?
2: Yeah. And when I catch him, I'll take it out of his hide.
3: Well, I'll be glad to help you He's a termite. Hey, we were gonna have a nightcap.
2: Wanna come back and show us?
3: No, not now, Jojo. We, uh, we have to get back to the party. Goodbye, Mr. O'Connor. Come on, though. Yes, Veronica. Uh, I'll be seeing you, Jojo.
2: Yeah, so long. Good night, Bye. Bye. Glad Good to meet you. Now, what was the matter with her? What do you mean? Well, she seems jumpy. Well, let's go in and get our nightcap, huh? Okay, my friend. Uh-huh. What's wrong, Joe? For the key's in the lock. Yeah, I'm sure I didn't leave it there. Well, oh, who else would, Dope? Oh, come on, come on. Open it up. Okay. Here we are. Yeah, I wonder how Veronica. Hey! There's a man on the floor. It's Steve Wetzel. How did he get here? Hey, Joe. Joe, he's dead. Oh, what do you know? The lousy double crosser getting himself killed before I can collect from him. On my carpet, too. Now wait a minute, Joe. This is serious. You told a lot of people tonight. You were looking for Steve. And the policeman think you found him. That night. It's back, yours? Yeah. My paper knife. But I was with you? Not all the time, Joe. We were telephoning, that's right. Malone's bar is only two blocks from here. Yeah, I certainly don't have an alibi. Well, I know you didn't do it, Joe, but the cops won't. Hey, look, you better come and spend the night at my house. I'll swear you're with me all evening. Then we can come back and discover the body in the morning. Yeah, I guess it's the only thing to do. Okay, Terry, let's go. Let's stop in at the hopper on the corner and get that drink. I need it now. <laughs> Hey, huh? look over there in that booth. George Engel and Hannah. Well, so it is. Well, let's join them. Hello there. Hi. I thought we got rid of you once.
3: Welcome to our party. We just stopped in here for a sandwich.
2: Why don't you sit somewhere else? Or are you two bums following us? Not you. I... The beautiful damsel with you. Well, go out and find your own beautiful damsel. You are beautiful, Hannah. Say, can you cook? Oh, never mind. Marry me anyway. Oh, Mr.
3: Kirby, I hardly know you. Besides, you lost your job.
2: Incidental. Purely incidental. However, I don't require an immediate answer. Take a minute or two to think it over.
3: I will. Did you find words, sir?
2: Yes and no. What do you mean, yes and no? He means no.
3: How did Terry know which you meant, Joe?
2: And he guessed. Say, confidentially, honey. I'm in a jam.
3: Ouch! What's the matter, huh?
2: Jerry kicked me.
1: Oh, must have been an accident.
2: Hello, Mr. Engel. Mr. <laughs> Landoran. Hi, Terry. Hello. Hi, Madden. What's up? Hi, Sergeant. Look, if I give you boys the tip off, will you give me some credit in your story? Sure, Sarge. What is it? I'm looking for a guy named Kirby. Joseph Kirby. Do you know him? I, uh, Well, what do you want him for, Madden? Murder.
3: A murder? Where?
2: Then we got a call to investigate his apartment. We went right over to his joint, and there was this stiff laid out on the rug with a shiv stuck in his heart. Died right about six o'clock. Some guy named Wurzel. How? Oh. What do you know about that? In Kirby's apartment? Who phoned in? We don't know. He didn't give no name. It was, you know, anonymous. But the guy said we'd probably find this Kirby in some bar, so we're looking. You know him? I, uh... Hey, you sure it was a man who called? Yeah, it might have been a woman. Hey, what is this? You're all acting funny. Let's get it over with, Terry. The suspense is killing me. Officer, my name is Joe Kirby. <laughs> Found him in a bar around the corner. Okay, Madden. For the record, Kirby, what's your full name? Joseph Jefferson Kirby. What are Miss Van and Engel and O'Connor doing here? We were with Joe Inspector, so we came back here to see if we could help him. And Joe didn't kill Wurtzel either. Take it easy, O'Connor. Nobody said he did yet. But we're going to find out. Did you kill him, Kirby? Sure, he killed him. What's the idea, idea, George, Why, Daniel? did it all for you, baby. It's a Christmas present.
3: A homicide for Hannah.
2: There's your motive, Inspector. Why, for two cents, I punch-in-the-nose angle joking at a time like this?
3: Don't try to be funny about this, George. Terry's right. I know he would not do it. Did
2: you, Joe? Oh, I'm afraid not. Not even for you, Hannah. Anything else but not that. Hey, wait a minute. I'm still handling the investigation around here. Where were you between five and six this evening, Kirby? He was with me. All the time, O'Connor? No, I wasn't with Terry all the time. He was looking for Steve Wurzel. Very interesting. Why did you want to see him, Kirby? Well... Well, Wurzel owed him money, and Kirby said he was going to collect... Or take it out of Wurzel's hide. Can't you keep your mouth shut, Angle? What are you trying to do? Uh, I was only kidding. If Kirby did kill Wurzel, we'd all owe him a vote of thanks. You're in a tough spot, Kirby. You better talk if you want to get out of it. Well, Inspector, I don't know why Wurzel came here or who killed him. I wasn't in the apartment. Can you give me an alibi for this evening? Well, I met Terry about quarter to six. At six, I left him to make a phone call. Yeah? Who'd you call? I tried to get the Morse Plane Factory, Mr. Harris, but he wasn't there. And then? I joined Terry at Malone's Bar. We've been together ever since. That's right. Well, I guess that's about all for now. But you're not in the clear by any means, Kirby. I won't pull you in yet. Thanks for nothing. Well, Terry, my boy. How about you and me getting down to the paper, knocking out some copy of this murder? It'll be a scoop for us. Yeah, just yes for better. Uh, coming with me,
3: huh? No, uh, I want to stay and talk to Joe a few minutes. Who are
2: you up to,
1: Miss Sundorn?
3: Why nothing, Inspector? I. I just want to have a private interview with Mr. Kirby, so when you solve the case, I'll have all the background I need for a surefire magazine. I
1: see.
3: I want to get it now before Mr. Kirby has to start combing reporters out of his hair. I
2: wouldn't worry about that. I'll leave Madden outside the door, just so Kirby won't be bothered, of course. Of course. That's nice of you, Inspector. Now,
3: get out, all of you. I can't get my interview with you cluttering up the place. Okay, Uh so
1: long. So long, Joe. See you
3: later. Well, It's Chilly in here, isn't it?
2: Hmm. I'll light a fire. You know, I used to be a boy scout I can do it with three matches or less
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're a crazy sort of guy, Joe Maybe Hey,
2: um What's this guy Engel in your life?
3: George is an old friend, why?
2: I just wanted Don't your folks worry when you stay out all night Digging up murders? I
3: have not any folks My mother died when I was a child And my father was killed five years ago He was a captain and detective An orphan,
2: huh? Well, I'm an orphan, too Fate must have thrown us together, so I can take care of you.
3: You better take care of yourself. Say, how about helping me find who killed Worth? No, why bother?
2: I'd much rather kiss you like this.
4: <laughs> hey!
3: oh, oh, that's jujitsu. You want to play some more? Oh,
2: oh no, thanks. <gasps> how uh, was I didn't know you'd turn out to be a female strangler, Lewis? <laughs> <laughs> huh. Just trying to get better acquainted. Here, I get slammed against my own wall.
3: I hope I didn't really hurt your back. No,
2: I live. I guess. <laughs> And I'll help you find the murderer. It's safer than making love to you. But don't forget, we're going to the opening of the races tomorrow. It's still on it, mm-hmm,
3: Of course. I've got a car, so I'll pick you up about 11.30. Good night, Joe. Good night.
2: <laughs> you beautiful wrestler. <laughs> Who is it? It's me, Martin. There's a couple of people here to see you. Miss Veronica Smith and the Milton Robinson. Send them in. Oh, hello, Veronica.
3: Hi, Milton. I just had to come to see you, Jojo, after reading this morning's papers. Horrible.
2: Sorry for you, Kirby. I just got up. What's the paper say, Veronica?
3: You're suspected of killing Steve Wurzel in a fight about money. My,
2: my, how these newspapers do exaggerate. Say, were you inside my place last night, Veronica?
3: No. No, we weren't, JoJo. We we just knocked on the door and there wasn't any answer, so we left. That's when we met you.
2: Then why wouldn't you come back with us? Well,
3: we we had to get home. I had to get to the party and Milt had to get home to his mother. You see, she's blind and she gets frightened when Milt is away too long. Isn't that right, Milt? Yes,
2: indeed, Veronica. Yes. Okay, that's your story. I didn't mention you to the cops anyway.
3: Thanks very much. Madden said you're up, so I'm just walking in. Oh, oh, I didn't know you had come. That's all right, Hannah.
2: Hannah, this is Veronica and Milt. How How do you do? Hello.
3: Uh, Joe, your taste is improving. She's a lovely blonde. And yeah,
2: that she is. And we're off to the races. You all going?
3: Yes, we are. And I have my station wagon. We can all go together. 12. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go. Nice crowd here today, Joe. Yeah. Oh, look, there's Terry O'Connor. Hi, Terry. Hello,
2: Terry. Hello, children. Stick around. I'll have some tips for you. Hey, Joe, let me under the stairs, back by the paddock in a few minutes. I've got a hot tip on the murder. Yeah, what? Seems old Jake Wurzel had another name once, back in Chicago. And, oh, nuts. Here comes Engel. Well, I'll see you later. Well, well. Beauty and the Beast. Greetings, respected. Go away, Engel. You give me indigestion. Yeah. Uh, first you steal my girl, then you want to drive me away. Did you hear the
1: newest guess about your murder? What is it? Some bright cop got the idea that Steve was killed by spies. His old man, Jake Wurzel, just invented a chemical... The neutralizing chlorine gas. This guy thinks they tried to get the secret out of Steve and killed him when they failed. I think it's
2: nuts. Yeah, so do I. But I'm glad somebody doesn't think I'm the murderer. But well, come on. Let's get away from here, Hannah. The air's bad. You know, I'm covering the murder now. You wouldn't care to give me a statement, would you, Mr. Cuddy? Yeah, stay away from me. Unquote. Hey, Hannah. Would you do me a favor? Wait here a minute. I have to go to the paddock and see a man about a horse.
3: I want to go along. You're going to meet Terry and it has something to do with the murder. I heard him. That stage was for Terry Miles.
2: Okay, come on.
3: Where's your secret meeting place, Mr. Conspirator?
2: Around the corner here. Under those back stairs. Right over here. Right over there.
3: But no Terry.
2: See, look. He's on the floor. He's hurt. Hey, Terry. Terry, Terry, what's the matter? Terry.
3: He's the unanswered Joe. Can't you see the knife in his throat? He's dead.
2: Yeah,
3: I see. But what about you, Joe? If the cops find you here with another murder, they'll...
2: Oh, what do you mean, if? Here comes one right now. Let
3: me do the talking,
2: Joe. No, no not me. I'm getting out of here. There's something I've got to find out. I'll <laughs> see you later. Hey, Joe! Stop! In the name of the law! Hold! Oh, That's fine!
3: Good luck. Good luck, Joe. Yeah.
1: action, and plenty of action is just what we're headed for when our mole mystery theater play resumes.
2: You know, Mr. Barnes, what you just said is exactly Joe Moran's idea. Yes,
1: Dan, how's that?
2: Well, my old friend Joe is a real mole fan who wants every man to enjoy the better shades it gives, and he says that one good way for me to remind folks of how good mole is and to stir them into action is by firing a pistol shot or so.
1: So, And uh, what are you going to do about it, Dan? Well,
2: just this. Gentlemen, of course you realize that the little nicks and scrapes you got while shaving today will make tomorrow's shave all the more difficult. Well, why don't you buy Molay, The brushless shaving cream that puts face protection first. Mole has a special protective film. A film with more real body and substance than light, fluffy cream. That film acts in a positive way to guard your tender skin from irritating nicks and scrapes. Also, Mole contains an abundance of beard-softening ingredients... ...and plenty of bland, non-irritating oils. So, gentlemen, to enjoy shaves that get better and better... ...as Mole's protective film guards your face from nicks and scrapes... ...why don't you just... Yes, that's right. Shoot around to the store and buy a tube or jar of M-O-L-L-E... ...Mole Brushless Shaving Cream. Well, uh, I'm uh, out of ammunition and my story's told... So now here's Mr. Joe Kirby to bring you Act Two of Homicide for Hannah. Well, after Hannah and I found Terry's body at the racetrack, the cop tried to stop me. But I got away and grabbed a cab into town. Terry had mentioned a clue and said he wanted to tell me more just before he was killed. Maybe he had told his wife something about what he'd learned. It wasn't much to go on, but it was my only chance. So I went to see Ida O'Connor at their home on Laurel. They told you, Ida? You, you know about Terry?
3: Yes. The paper telephone. He's gone, Joe. Terry's gone.
2: You know, they're saying I did it, I did
3: it. Yes, I know. But I don't believe it. Well, you were his friend.
2: Thanks, I did. Now, you've got to buck up for the kids' sake. We can't bring Terry back. But I want to do something about it. And maybe you can help. How? When Terry was home last night, did he say anything about what he was working on, about what happened at my place last night?
3: Well, yes, he, well, he was all excited. He, he said he had a chance to clear you completely and, and it would mean a big bonus for him and maybe a raise.
2: Where had he been, Ida?
3: Well, he'd been at the office going through some old newspapers. He showed me one of the clippings.
2: A clipping? You remember what it was about?
3: It was about a murder trial in Chicago back in, uh, 1925, I think. A man named, uh, Wilson had killed another man, had been acquitted. There are pictures of a man. I, I didn't read it except for the headline. It's
2: mm, not very definite, but I'll try to run it down. Now you keep your chin up, Ida. I'll get Terry's murderer if it's the last thing I do. <laughs>
3: Oh, I thought you'd do something dumb like coming back to your own apartment where the police can find you easily.
2: Well, I can't get away from them forever. I might as well be comfortable while I wait. Did
3: you come straight here from the track?
2: No. I was downtown reading some old newspapers.
3: you would. I don't suppose you thought of reading the last edition of today's paper while you were there. No. Why? Nothing, except that while you were running around making sure you had no alibi, Steve's father, old Jacob Wirtle, was killed. Murdered? Yes. Say, this
2: is getting to be an epidemic. Well, eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, how about a
3: highball,
2: Hannah? No, thanks. Uh, I want to talk to you, Joe. Please be serious.
3: Yes, Hannah, I'll be oh, Maybe that's the cops now. Come in. Hello, JoJo. You see, Milton, I told you he'd be here. Milton tried to argue me out of coming. He said you wouldn't be here. Well, today. I
2: thought with the police after him. Oh, you did, did you? Well, sit down, Veronica.
3: Thanks.
2: We're going to have quite a little gathering here. I'm expecting the police any minute. Then we'll try out a little idea I've got. What sort of idea?
3: Yes, what is it?
2: Relax, Hannah. I'm just beginning to get smart. Now we wait for the police.
3: Here, here, the boy detective. And
2: I think I hear the ponderous tread of the law coming this way right now. And I thought you'd be here, Kirby, when I saw the visitors go in. I was especially glad to see Miss Veronica Smith arrive.
4: Why? I have a
2: witness who places your car here last night. So I have a warrant charging you and Kirby with murder. Oh, no. Now, wait a minute! Not so fast. You can't do that. No, oh, right? I can't, eh? Hey? Well, who's going to stop me? But wait a minute! I know who committed all three murders. You <laughs> better be good, Kirby. What's your story? Well, originally, the murderer had only intended to kill Steve Wurzel and his father. Terry O'Connor was killed because he had a lead to the murderer.
3: Terry, where would he get a lead?
2: I found out Terry'd been looking up an old murder in Chicago in 1925. That murder was a man named Wilson, and he was acquitted. Yeah, interesting, but what does it have to do with this? There were pictures in the paper. Wilson was Jake Wurzel, Steve's father.
3: And Jake Wurzel killed somebody?
2: Well, Wurzel or Wilson was a cosmetics manufacturer then. He put an eyelash dye on the market that contained poison, and several people were blinded. He had a good lawyer, so he wasn't prosecuted. Well, where does the killing come in? And how does it tie in with this case? I'm coming to that. The husband of one of the blinded women, a fellow named Katie, tried to kill Jake Wurzel. But Wurzel killed him first. So Wurzel changed his name and came out to Hollywood? Right. Well, that blind woman and the man who was killed had a son. Oh, uh-huh. how? I'm beginning to get the idea. Right. I'm betting that son grew up with one idea. To make the Wurzels pay for his mother's suffering and his father's death. And who do you think this son is, Kirby? You moved here from Chicago, didn't you, Milt Robinson? Yes, and your father is dead and your mother is blind. The name of this family was Katie, but it could have been changed later, just as Wurzels was. That's absurd. And Milt was here last night with Veronica. She may have lied to protect him, but that's the only way she's implicated.
3: I I did lie. I lost my handkerchief and Milt went back up after it. He, He told me that he tried Joe's door and it opened and he saw someone in there dead on the floor... I don't think he did it. Of
2: course I didn't. Maybe you've made a case after all, Kirby. Well, Robinson, you're making a terrible mistake. I haven't killed anyone. My name wasn't Katie. You can find my birth certificate on file in Chicago. My father died a natural death. My mother was blinded in an auto accident. You can check all those things. That's true. I'm sorry. It seemed right.
3: I ought to let you stew in your own juice, Joe, for holding out on me, but... I know who the Katie boy is. You, know you
2: do? Who is
1: it, Miss Van Doren? I'm
3: almost sure it's George Engel. George.
1: what? The newspaper reporter?
3: I know he's from Chicago. His father's dead and so is his mother, but she was blind. He told me about it and seemed very bitter. And he did
2: over here, Terry, telling me that he had a clue. He could have reached the paddock just to hit him. I'm
3: sure it's George Engel. He fits all the way around.
2: Hey, wait a minute, though. He couldn't have killed Steve Wurzel. He was with you all. He...
3: No, he wasn't. There wasn't any reason to mention it before, but he left me at the bar for almost a half hour between 5 and 5.30, the time when Steve was killed. That's
2: just about when Terry and I left his office. You sure
1: about those things, Miss Van Doren?
3: Positive, Inspector. Joe's giving you the motive, and Engel's the only one who fits it. think you better act fast, too. He succeeded in killing both Wurzel, so he'll probably try to leave town now. You're right. I'll get a dragnet out immediately.
2: Well, I'm sorry about almost pulling you in, Kirby. Come along, Veronica. We'd better go, too.
3: Yes, Milton.
2: I'm really very sorry, Milton. Forget it, Kirby. Well... Goodbye, all of you.
3: Goodbye, Joe. Oh,
2: drop in again when I have another murder. Well, Hannah, that's what I call beautiful teamwork. And we collect the $5,000 reward that the newspaper put up for information leading to the arrest of Terry's murderer.
3: Say, I'd forgotten about the reward. 2500 each.
2: I don't want mine, though. I want to turn over to Ida O'Connor, Terry's widow.
3: Okay. I guess I can be as generous as you. I'll turn my share over to her too. Well, happy days, partner. We'll die broke but happy. You're
2: a sweetheart. Now wait till I mix a couple of drinks we'll have a toast of that.
1: Don't rush off, Kirby. George? George. Yeah. Little Georgie, your pal, with a gun, you'll notice. So don't move. I was out in the kitchen, heard the whole thing. I hid until the cops left. I
2: waited to kill you, Kirby.
3: Too late, George. They know everything anyway. I
2: know, I know. I just don't like Kirby. Cutting in when you were my girl and for generally acting smart. Besides, one more killing won't hurt my record. This one's all for you and your story. (laughs) A homicide for Hannah. You rat. You didn't have to kill Terry any more than you have to kill me. But you like to kill, don't you? You're killed crazy. Well, I'm going to take that gun away from you. Stand back, Kirby. I
3: got him, Joe.
1: Suffering chats. That's jujitsu again.
2: He's knocked out. Cold as a cucumber. Well,
3: my father always told me it would come in handy. Better call the police back. Yeah, I will.
2: Who'd think a beautiful babe like you could toss a big man clear across the room? You saved my life. I'm going to kiss you right... Oh, maybe I better not. Oh, brother, am I going to have fun? Married to a female wrestler. (laughs)
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard the Moley Mystery Theater presentation, Homicide for Hannah, and a very exciting, eventful case it was. Now we continue with still another case, one that I'm sure the men in our audience will find eventful and helpful. All right, then? Oh, friends, this is the story in words and music of Wilbur. Wilbur used to be the sort of guy
2: who woke up in the morning with a grouch. When his wife spoke to him, Wilbur would answer something like this. Yes, very grumpily. Because he was almost positive he was in for an unpleasant time with his morning shave. And as Wilbur shaved, as he nicked and scraped his face, his spirits got lower, lower, and lower. Well, finally, Wilbur listened to the Mole Mystery Theater one night. He learned how Mole puts face protection first. He heard about Mole's special protective film, a film that helps guard against nicks and scrapes because it has plenty of real body and substance, much more than light fluffy cream. So Wilbur bought a jar of Mole, and now he greets his wife every morning something like this. So oh, he feels swell since he discovered for himself that his Mole special protective film helps guard your face. Day after day, your shaves get better, better, and better. So, gentlemen, why don't you buy M-O-L-L-E, Mole, the brushless shaving cream that puts face protection first. And now here's Jeffrey Barnes to tell you about next week's story.
1: Mystery fans, we were unable to introduce our new detective, Jonathan Pierce, tonight, as previously announced. But he will definitely be with us next week in an exciting story about beautiful girls, antiques, and murder entitled The Mystery of the Seven Keys. So be sure to listen in to Jonathan Pierce in The Mystery of the Seven Keys.
2: story was adapted for radio by Ken Crossan and H.L. Gold. The original music on this program is composed by Jack Miller. Until next Tuesday, this is Dan Seymour saying good night and good shaving for Mole Brushless Shaving Cream.
4: And now,
0: Another mystery on Mystery Radio X, X, X.
5: Mystery House. That strange publishing firm owned by Dan and Barbara Glenn, where each new novel is acted out by the Mystery House staff before it is accepted for publication. Mystery House.
0: Say, Barb, you said the novel we're acting out for Mystery House tonight has a detective who never even sees the scene of the crime.
6: That's technically
7: correct, Dan. At least she never gets on the premises. She? Yes. The girl's an invalid.
5: Oh, that sounds impossible. Oh, now, don't use that word, Mr. Glenn. Nothing's impossible. No, well, I can think of a good many things that nobody's ever been able to do. Well, I can remember when people said it would be impossible to make the radio commercials as interesting as the show itself. But listen to this.
0: Okay, places, everybody. Set the scene, will you, Tom?
5: Death passed my window. A story about a young girl who lives in that section of an industrial city where the tenements sit in squalid rows, side by side, with only a few feet between.
7: hope grave. I've been a hopeless invalid for eight years, ever since the night a hit-and-run driver struck me down. I lie in my bed now in a dingy room of a crowded, faded tenement. My one window stares at a window in another tenement, almost directly opposite. That window and the girl who lives behind it have become friends of mine.
6: Morning, Hope. How's the back today? Much better, thanks, Jenny. If you were telling the truth, you'd have the finest back in the world. Always better, every morning.
7: Did Eddie bring you home last night, Jenny? Yep, as per usual. Why don't you bring him up to your room sometime, Jenny, and get him in front of your window so I can see him?
6: Hey, not so fast, Chum. Nice girls don't bring their boyfriends to their rooms. Even when the girl happens to be a nightclub dancer and the boy's a sax player in the dance band. I'll bet he's handsome. No, I wouldn't say he's handsome, but he's kind of a sweet kid. He can sit in a crowded, noisy, smoky nightclub all night long, night after night, and and still not be there at all. Know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm.
7: The way I go sailing out on the lake in a little racing sloop, like I shop the beautiful stores on the avenue. Poor
6: kid. You with your one little window. But I do
7: have one window. You know, Jenny, I sometimes wonder if people realize what wonderful inventions windows
6: are. You silly goose. Well, I got a lot to do this morning. Got to sew on some costumes. So long.
7: Jenny's days and nights are all mixed up, like mine. It isn't really morning, but four o'clock in the afternoon. Being in bed 24 hours of a day, year after year, you forget about day and night. Time is just something to fill, the best you can. It goes on, and on and on. Night The hours from ten to three Those are the hardest Nothing but blackness outside my window The complete blackness of night Sometimes I wish Ginny wasn't a dancer But then I'd miss the funny little squeak One of the floorboards always makes When she practices her dance steps Her visits mean so much to me Morning, hopeful. What are you reading? Hi, Jenny. It's a new mystery in the honey. Oh, I'll bet it's good. Oh, just bet everything in the whole world
6: is good. Oh, well, what are you so happy about? Take a gander. See? I know it's small, but you can see it from there, can't you? The way <gasps> it Oh, it's a diamond ring. It wouldn't exactly blind you, but it's real. Eddie? Yeah. We're gonna be married. Oh, wonderful. It sounds simply terrific. Oh, he isn't really cute, but he's nice and a square guy. Oh, Jenny, you've
7: got to let me see him. I'll just die if you don't. I'll bring him over to your room some night.
6: Promise? It's a promise. I'll cross my heart. And hope to die? No, just cross my heart. The way I feel now, I think I'd like to live forever. <laughs>
7: Days and nights form a pattern, not all alike, but each like some remembered one from the past. One I know I've lived before, and one I'll live again.
6: Ready for me to turn out your light, dear? Yes, thank you, Mother. I brought you something for tomorrow, honey. Oh, what? It's one of the Fleming stories, The Case of the Insolent Inn. I got it from the rental library. Oh, gee, it's a big book.
7: Oh, Mother, you're wonderful. (laughs) Good night, dear. Night again. The hour's from ten to three. Nothing but black night. What? What? Light! A light in Jenny's room. Jenny! Jenny, how come you're home so early? She must be opening a wooden box. Maybe it's something she doesn't want me to see. Jenny! The squeaky place in the floor. She's fixing it.
6: And I wish she wouldn't.
7: A lighted cigarette stub being thrown out of the window And Ginny doesn't smoke Why didn't Ginny answer me? I guess she brought Eddie up to fix the squeaky board She didn't want me to know he was there But I didn't mean to be nosy She has a right to a little privacy I, I just won't say anything to her about it Top of the morning, Hopeful. Hello, Jenny. When are you going to bring Eddie around? Gosh,
6: honey, I've been so doggone busy, I... I... see
7: you finally got around to fixing the squeaky board in your
6: floor. You could hear that squeaky board way over your place? Of course. It must have fixed itself, then. I didn't do anything. Oh. Oh, I...
7: Well, I guess lots of things do fix themselves at that.
6: Hey, work hard last night? No, harder than usual. But we have a late show tonight. Gotta practice a little. We see you hopeful.
7: Twelve o'clock. And Jenny's light just went on again. Oh, this is wrong. Before the pattern lost its form, it was never like this.
6: Never. It's not right, Eddie.
0: Ah, you're jittery, huh? Your imagination's working overtime.
6: I don't imagine things, Eddie. I wouldn't have asked to get off early tonight and come back here just for imagination. I'm afraid.
0: Oh, Jenny.
6: Eddie, let's get married tonight.
0: Tonight? At this hour? Why, nobody's around.
6: We could find someone.
0: When you and I get married, we'll do it right. For keeps. Come in. Oh. I better.
6: I I guess so. (laughs)
0: Well, I better be going now. I I didn't have any ride up here.
6: Oh, oh, just a minute before you go. Hope.
7: Hope you awake? Oh, sure, Jenny. I just woke up. You been home long?
6: Uh, No.
0: Stick your head over in front of the window, Eddie. Hello? I can't see you, but if you're a friend of Jenny's, I like you.
6: Hello, Eddie. That's Hope Graves. You know the girl I was telling you
0: about. Glad to know you, Hope. Well, I, I have to be running along now.
6: Uh, will you uh,
7: will you do something for me before you go, Eddie?
0: Sure, kid. Anything you say.
7: Well, uh, will you uh, kiss Jenny goodnight in front of the window?
0: <laughs> sure. How was that
4: hope?
7: Well, it was beautiful. 'clock in the afternoon. It's time for Jenny to pull up her shade and start her day. That's really nice. It's funny. I've never been jealous of Jenny's dancing feet, but today I am. She has a prince charming, and I'll never have one. I'll go on getting excitement from books. but I'll think of Jenny and her Eddie. I'll think of the misty sparkle in her eyes when Eddie kissed her last night. I'll think of it because it was so wonderful and because I... I can't have it. Ever. Funny that Ginny hasn't raised her window shade yet. (laughs) Probably dreaming of Eddie. But she should be up now. Jenny. Jenny? Jenny, you lazy buns, get up. It's time for you to get up. Oh, Jenny. Jenny. Is something wrong? Answer me, please. Jenny. I'm worried about you. Say something, please. Jenny!
0: All right, open up, Miss. You got your landlady worried. It's Emmett Bryan, Virginia. You know the cop on the corner. Come on now, open the door like a good girl.
6: Out of the house, ordinarily she is, but this time, Officer Bryan. I called and called, and it don't do no good.
0: Virginia, are you opening the door now? Enter me. You got a pass key, Mrs. Schultz?
6: No, these doors all got good spring locks, and the key to this one is locked.
0: All right, stand back, then, Mrs. Schultz. There's nothing for it but to bust in the door. See. Ow! Saints have mercy on her soul. Poor little kid, her head all caved in with a hammer. Wait a minute. What's this?
6: Why, well, it looks like a long, heavy, luxup necklace.
0: Yeah, but it's got a snap hook on it. No, it ain't a necklace, Mr. Schultz.
6: What
7: is
0: it, then? Well, I think maybe it's something that's gonna hang a man.
7: No, officer Bryan, no. You're all wrong. I know what that thing is, and you're wrong.
0: Oh, I am, am I? Oh, yes. Well, what is it, then?
7: Well, it's a thing saxophone players wear around their necks to hold their instruments.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Oh,
7: but it couldn't be, Eddie. It it just couldn't be.
0: Oh, Eddie, huh? So Virginia had a boyfriend named Eddie, and he left a saxophone card in her room. You know when he left it?
7: Oh, I... No. No, I don't.
0: You know his last name. You know where he lives. No. No. You don't know or you just won't tell me?
7: I said I didn't know.
0: I heard you. But I've been around this neighborhood too long to be fooled all the time. Now, if you do know anything, kid, you should tell it fast. Why? If you know something that would pin a murder on somebody, that somebody would try another murder to keep me from getting the answer. And you wouldn't be able to defend yourself very well. (laughs)
5: Is Officer Brian Wright? Will the murderer strike again? And now, act two of Death Past My Window opens at the battered door of the murdered girl's apartment. Somebody is knocking.
0: Ginny, you're late for work. What's the matter, honey? Ginny. Ginny. What? What the devil? A cop. What are you doing here? Where's Ginny? She's down at headquarters, kid. Oh, no. She hasn't done anything. Take me to her right away. It ain't a bad act, kid. You almost convinced me. Almost. What are you talking about? Sit down. I want to see Ginny. She's late for work right now. She ain't going to work, kid. Ever. What? What are you trying to say? You already know. I don't know a thing. Quit torturing me. You've got to tell me. Something's happened. What is it? Well, Virginia's had an accident, Eddie. A bad accident. Her head was all caved in with a hammer early this morning. Oh, no. No, you're lying. No. No. It isn't true.
5: It isn't true. It isn't true.
7: This is death I've met. It passed my window, not 20 feet away. And yet, invisible. In detective stories, death is always exciting. But this was Ginny, my friend. And it isn't exciting at all. It's just horrible.
0: Where were you at 4 o'clock this morning, Eddie? I... I don't know. Did you bring Virginia home? Uh... Yes, yes, I did. How did you get into her room? I didn't get into her room.
7: Eddie, no. Brian knows you were there. He found your saxophone cord.
0: Hope, tell him. Tell him I didn't kill Jenny.
7: I've already told him, Eddie.
0: You mean you told me you didn't see him do it. But that doesn't mean he couldn't have. All right, come on, Eddie. Where? Down to the police station. Well,
7: you're making a mistake, Officer Brian. Don't worry, Eddie. Everything will come out all right.
0: Worry? I'm through worry. There's nothing to worry about. Or hope for, or or dream about anymore, and everything won't come out all right. It's no good, kid.
7: Goodbye, Eddie. I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry, Hope. Hope. That's a good one. That is. <laughs>
6: Brian caught the murderer, huh? Took him to the station. Ah, such goings-on. What are you doing in Jenny's room, Mrs. Schultz? Brian told me I could move her things to the basement storage. Uh,
7: Mrs. Schultz, will you call Officer Brian for me? What for? Tell him I want to talk to him. That I have some important information. But you have already told
6: him all you know.
7: No, no, there's a great deal more. There is an old proverb,
6: Hope. Murdered though it have no tongue will speak? No. People who look for trouble... Usually, find it.
7: Officer Bryant, will you do what I ask then?
0: Well, now, that all depends.
7: No, that won't do. You'll have to promise.
0: I'm making no promises.
7: You wouldn't want to convict an innocent man, would you? No. Promise?
0: Well, uh, all right.
7: It'll involve some irregular procedure, uh, maybe illegal.
0: Uh, here, now, that's not fair. You promised. Yes, all right, all right. What is it you want me to do?
7: I want you to go over next door and rip loose one of the moldings on a window in every apartment on the fourth floor except Jenny's. Y- what? Does a Brian go back on his word?
0: Uh, well, I know one thing. After this, one Brian will learn to say No.
7: Did you get them all, Officer Brian?
0: Yeah, fake phone calls to get people out, breaking and entering, destruction of property. Huh. And me, a policeman, too. Yeah, I got every apartment on the fourth floor. And may Captain O'Hoolihan never hear of it.
7: Well, thanks, Brian. Now, all you have to do is wait.
0: Wait? Sit over here in this room all by myself and wait? Wait for what?
7: Just wait. And don't worry about being alone. We can visit.
0: Hey, listen. Some of my destruction's being repaired.
7: Yes. That's apartment 4D, isn't it? Sounds like it. Mr. and Mrs. Gutowski. He's a section hand, and he's not the one. Uh,
0: Not the one? What are you talking about?
7: Never mind. Just wait. Try to have patience.
0: Young lady... Did you have me tear loose all those moldings just so you could hear a hammer serenade? Now, that's three been fixed so far, and all you say is, that's not the one. That's not it either. Oh, that's not it either. That's not it either. How, How long do you expect me to sit in this room listening to people pounding nails? That's four moldings fixed. Only two to go. Oh, sure. I rip loose the window moldings and the people fix them. That's supposed to prove that the saxophone player didn't murder the girl. Huh. Maybe I'm nuts. Brian! What? That's it. Huh? What apartment's it coming from? Well, uh, 4C across the hall.
7: Get him, Brian, quick. Get him before he runs away. He killed Jenny Ginny! <laughs>
0: Yeah? Who's that? Officer Bryan, open up. Well, you don't have to be tough about it. What do you want? I want you to step across the hall. The room where the bank got murdered? Oh, no thanks, pal, not me. Come on. You step over here by this window, mister.
6: Huh? What
7: for?
0: Hope. Is this the man?
7: Yes. Yes, it has to be him.
0: Say, what kind of a keg is this? I never seen this girl before in my life. How about that, Hope?
7: Oh, he's quite right. I've never seen him before, either. See, copper? But he killed Ginny, and I can prove it.
0: Hey, you don't look too healthy, sister. But it's less healthy to make cracks like that if you can't back them up.
7: First, Officer Brian, there's a wide pine floor in that room, isn't there? I've never seen it.
0: Yeah, that's right. Wide pine.
7: Lie down on the bed, Brian, and then get up.
0: What? Oh, all right.
7: Okay. Your foot, Brian. Keep it right there on the board it touched when you got up. Mark the board with your pencil.
0: What goes, sister? You ain't gonna rope me in on any funny business.
7: Getting interested, mister? All right, Brian. Get a hammer and pry up that board.
0: Well, it still sounds crazy to me, but uh, I might as well, I guess. No, no, you don't. Copper stay right where you are. Put down that gun, you. You'll get a bullet from it right through your thick head if you make a move. I'll keep your hands in the air while I take your gun. And don't get any idea. What are you gonna do? First, I'm gonna do what the bright girl suggested. I'm gonna pry up that board. Then I'm gonna nick you enough so you won't follow me. And I'm taking on the land. Money. I've never seen so much money in my life. About 30 grand, Copper. In nice, crisp folding, though. Yeah, but the checks, all them checks, what about them? Uh, don't be dumb all your life, Copper. That's the racket. The checks are hot, lifted out of mailboxes. I got kids shoving hot checks all over town. I rented the room across the hall because I knew the dancer wasn't home nights when I'd be collecting dough and passing out the stolen check to my shills. I needed a sure, safe hiding place for the stuff. Yeah, and Virginia was working with you? She didn't even know there was such a guy as me. Until she
7: came home early with Eddie. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. She found cigarette ashes on her floor and a ground-out stub right in front of my door. And she was dumb enough to start asking questions. I couldn't have her asking questions. You'll never get away with this, lad. Get back, cover all that Shoot. I mean business. Hey, my eyes, my eyes! I can't see. Try to shoot me, will you? Uh, all right, You don't have to be so rough about it. I'll be rough, all right. I can't see you, Brian. Is everything all right? Here, honey. Thanks to your flashing that mirror in this guy's eyes, he'd have shot me sure if you hadn't blinded him. I won't forget that either, sister. Ah, uh, well, what you remember or forget ain't going to be of much importance, lad. I've got a feeling that you ain't going to be around long. <laughs>
7: Yes, my name is still Hope Graves. I'm still a bedridden invalid. Yet, somehow, I don't feel at all like the same person who started to tell this story. The pattern has shifted back to its usual form. But for me, things will never be the same. I'll always know it can change. That my routine isn't set in a drab, colorless schedule that will never vary. Life, even for me, can be exciting.
0: Join us again next time on Mystery Radio.